Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Nick's Infinite Playlist Podcast, a show where we're always talking about something because something's always on. I'm your host, Nick Hogan, and with me this week is a very special guest, Adam Davis. Adam, introduce yourself to the people. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me. I am, uh, God, where do I even start? Uh, (laughs) I'm married, father of four, uh, lived in Indiana most of my life, or most of my adult life, I guess I should say. Grew up in St. Louis. Um, Just really into a whole lot of the nerd stuff, so I'm excited to get to talk about some of it here, Um, you know, between video games and TV shows and movies and all that kind of stuff. Like, that's, that's what I'm breathe living yeah so <laughs> awesome well that's exactly the kind of stuff we talk about here <laughs> so i, I kind of like to give some background when appropriate uh adam and i met because he directed me in a play like seven years ago god has it been that long i think yeah, so. I it has. i'm just trying to remember when Man. it was i think it was in 2012 that's yeah that's about right uh so you know we've stayed connected on twitter and occasionally had nerdy conversations and when i made a call out he was interested so here we are talking about nerd stuff so um getting right into it uh sorry so getting right into it we start off every podcast by talking about something that's relatively current and in the news um so to start this month is the premiere of the last season of Game of Thrones and the Avengers Endgame movie. So, it is, it's almost not even fair putting both of them in the same month, right? Like, <laughs> right. somebody should have really looked at that and been like, oh, you know what, schedule's a little tight in April. Maybe we should move that around. Yeah, uh, it's nerd <laughs> heaven, but it's also just – you know, it's crazy when people have regular lives and they're trying to get to the movie theater and keep up with a TV show that coming, coming back on. Um, it feels like a lot. So let's start with game of Thrones. Where do you think it's going? What do you think is going to happen in the last six episodes? Oh my God. How do you even know where we're going to go with this? I mean, (laughs) there's so many storylines. There's so many characters. There's so much world. There's so much, story that needs to be wrapped up i i don't know how you do it in was it 422 minutes is the total runtime of season six something like that so i I just don't see how how we're gonna get there i'm excited to see how we get there but i don't i'm I'm very concerned with just how it's gonna happen and the pacing of all of that right i'm here for it i want to i mean give me 60 minutes a week of just carnage and chaos and you know killing off people and all whatever they got to do but it's going to be it's going to be a journey absolutely well you know the uh it's funny that you brought up the pacing because last season it came under a lot of fire for uh the quick journeys that characters were making across westeros and and to just really to locations that were really far away from each other yeah Uh, a lot of what they call travel by map (laughs) right uh so you know i didn't necessarily have a problem with it because they were the point of it was because these characters need to meet to get to the end of the series and and i don't need six episodes of Tyrion and jorah sailing halfway around the world to try to get back to danny like i don't need that let's speed that up a little bit what we saw that back in season five Let's speed that up. Let's get through it faster in season seven. But yeah, they did take a lot of heat for that. Yeah. So I think that uh, maybe they are setting us up for what will be a quicker pace. They're, they're moving it along a little bit. So they get to the last season and all bets are off. They're going to just balls to the wall, throw it all at us. Exactly. But uh my main prediction is that people are going to die. Uh, I don't know how, you, <laughs> I don't know what you think about that. I'd love for everyone to live happily ever after, but I just don't think we're going to make it. There, there's no, there's certain characters. There's no scenario I can play out where they, they are alive at when the credits roll at episode six. Like there's just no way. And some big names are on this, are on my, my hit list that I think are just not going to make it. Yeah. You want to give us a peek of some of those names? Yeah. Um, I, I don't see, I mean, take the top one off the board. I don't see Jon Snow making it to the end of this thing. Mm-hmm. 
I don't see any way we get King John or King uh, King Aegon. I just I don't see it happening. Right. Um, you know, Daenerys. I don't feel like if depending on how much time passes between Episode One and Episode Six, because I'm I'm completely convinced that her kids will take over. I think she will have a child with Jon Snow. Right. But I don't I don't I can't guarantee that Danny's going to make it to the end of this thing. Right. Um, so I mean, those are two of the big ones. But I I really don't feel like any if if I had to pick one character that's safe, it's Sansa Stark. Yes. Um, any all bets are off with everybody else though. I don't see anybody else that has a definite yes. They are going to be there six episodes from now. Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, John and Daenerys in particular are in trouble because they're at the forefront of the story. Uh, of course, they always have been, and so killing them off before now didn't make sense. When right. John went down at the end of a couple seasons ago, I said he's coming back because the story's about him. Like there's no, you're not done with that story yet. So if there's not clear on what they're going to tell without him there. So it's going to be one of those die at the end kind of situations if it happens. Right. Um, I can see Tyrion making it out just because his kind of talents are, are continually useful in that world, but he could die too. Right. And that's uh, the thing is I, I think that he, I mean, the world isn't what it is without Tyrion. Yeah. George Martin's not big on giving us the world we deserve. Right. The, the, the characters that we want to see continue. Exactly. That's not his style. <laughs> we learned that nine episodes in. Yes. So I have two in particular that I'm rooting for. Um, and there's a third, just kind of not really a certain character. So the two characters that I'm rooting for to make it out are Samuel Tarley and Tormund Giants Bane. I said the former because he's just a really nice, sweet guy, and I really want to see him make it out alive. Mm-hmm. And the latter because Tormund Giants Bane is the best name of a character <laughs> ever. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> and he's got the best beard of any character ever. Absolutely. Um, that's, that's across any genre of anything ever. Tormund's number one on every list. Absolutely. My third is just, I predict that one member of the Stark family, not going to say who it is because it doesn't matter, but that falls in line with your Sansa. Uh, one of them is going to make it out alive. Yeah, It's going to be the, the poetic justice of all of it is that the Starks in some form will get some payment for being good right. and after all this time. And, and for me, like I said, I think that has to be Sansa. I don't... John, we can't even count John in as a Stark anymore. And right. again, John's coming off the board anyway. Right. Bran is in the same, similar boat. He's not a Stark anymore. He's right. something so far beyond that. So which leaves you Sansa and Arya, and a girl has no name, and a girl has no chance of living through six episodes of, of White Walkers. Absolutely. Yeah, she's, uh, she's gotten too involved and violent. To, she's not going to stay back on the back lines that it would require her. She's not going to stay somewhere where it's going to be safe. Right. The only, it's not that character anymore. Right. That's not her. And like the only, the only chance I see for her is she has that one scene with lady crane, um, rest in peace, lady crane. But, uh, where, you know, lady crane asks her what's West of Westeros. And I think, I think for Arya, that is a possibility. Right. But I, I still just can't see that being where she ends up. That's too happy of an ending for a character that we all like too much. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's something that's going to – it may trigger the Stark family to draw the final breath of someone else or, or something like that. But some member of the Stark clan is going to die maybe as a catalyst to the endgame. Um Speaking of Endgame, how about your theories for Avengers Endgame? We've, so, we've been pretty tight-lipped on all of it so far, so I want to know what you think is going to happen. I'm going to be honest. This is me coming out as, a, uh, as who I am, as a, <laughs> as a fanboy and as a nerd. I'm just not that into Marvel. Really? Yeah. Like I, 
and I, part of it is like there's just so much of it and i don't have time to keep up on a lot of things right um there's a lot of marvel to try to keep up on um, i have seen infinity war mm-hmm. i have seen some of the newer stuff i saw black panther i've seen uh ant-man and the wasp mm-hmm. uh, and i saw iron man when it came out in theaters right umpteen hundred years ago <laughs> uh, but you know from from watching it from seeing what we're up against you know i i don't think marvel's gonna play it safe i don't think they're gonna do the expected thing is that the avengers get back together and they come together and they fight and they bring everybody back and i don't see that being the case i think right. the people that are gone some of them may come back but I don't see all of them coming back. And I don't see all of the people that we have still on the board staying. Right. You know, I think there's going to be more bloodshed, more, uh, more, more pieces coming off the board before we get to any kind of end game uh, right. for this, this scenario here. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, obviously, there's some hints at to who gets brought back in the sense that Black Panther 2, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and Spider-Man Far From Home are already slated. Um, And the latter has its trailer already out. But by and large, you know, there's got to be some kind of casualty. They got to move forward from here somehow. Right. And I I think it's going to be a give and take situation. I think if we get Spider-Man back, which we know we do, we got to lose somebody else in that place. Right. And the most recent, uh, one of the more recent trailers comes out and one of the last scenes is, you know, just the legs of Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor approaching Thanos. And so a popular theory is that all three of those guys who are now bona fide movie stars who no longer need the Marvel Cinematic Universe are out. And I think that some of them may still live through the movie. Um, as in there's a place for Thor to be out there and maybe come back if he wants to uh, because he's got another job to do. Right. Tony Stark can go back to Pepper and have a happy life post Iron Man. But ultimately my theory is that at least Captain America does not make it out of this. Uh, Yeah, I would agree with that. It's and mostly because his character arc would be complete he would finally, you know, I think that the final scene or a total close to the end, we could see Captain America dancing with Peggy again. And that'd be the end of his story. And I would be okay with that as a fan. Um, That puts that capstone on it and says, this is, this is as good as it gets. This is where we've come to. mm -hmm. What, what more is there? Exactly. So, I definitely think there's going to be some casualties. Um, it's hard to say who that's going to be, but I know that there's going to be, they can't, uh, they tip their hand a little because Star-Lord and Drax and Groot and Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and Black Panther are definitely not gone forever. Right. But it's really more of a catalyst than anything for okay, who are we actually going to get rid of? Right. Uh, Marvel move into phase four and Captain Marvel is the most logical replacement for Captain America. And I think that's so that all of that was timed intentionally. Oh, absolutely. And if, if no one else major Captain America is going to bite it for sure. Yeah. I think that's, that's a safe bet. Um, And I think, you know, once, once it comes out, once we get to see it, I think there's going to be more, more names on that list that yeah. we're not expecting. Um, you know, yeah. it, it's interesting to see what, what Marvel does with this and where they go from here. Yeah, and uh, you know, they could easily go the way of Aaron Taylor Johnson, who signed a nine-picture deal and then gets killed off in the first one he appears in. Uh, <laughs> so you know, there's really no way to know, and people just try to predict based on what Marvel's done before, but... Now, feels like new territory for Marvel. How do you think the Fox deal will factor into this? Or will it factor into this or will it just factor into phase four? So I don't think it'll factor into this. Um, but a piece of, in the back of my mind, I wonder about the timing. I wonder if 
their planning phase for last year and they say we really can't go any further without these characters we, we have to wrap up we got to get deadpool we've got to get the x-men we've right. got to get these pieces and it's part of our repertoire so we can move forward with this and so i want i wonder if the timing of the acquisition will allow for some easter eggs at minimum um i don't think there will be any like i don't think wolverine's going to be in the post credit scene but <laughs> i i think that there's a strong possibility that there could be some kind of hint at that going forward because just because the timing is almost too suspicious right box deal it's almost like okay we we're going into phase four but we're running low on characters and captain america wants out and iron man's not going to come back every time what do we have to do well we could spend more money on (laughs) we could probably spend less money acquiring fox than we would on robert downey jr's salary so (laughs) let's just acquire fox and that's the way i see it but I don't think there'll be anything blatant, but if you're looking for maybe the Baxter building in the background or an aerial shot of save your school for gifted youngsters, I think that might be within the realm of possibility. Yeah. And I think we're, we're too, it's too early for there to be like characters appearing. Like they've not started casting the Marvel cinematic universe X-Men. Right. You know, not, not that I'm aware of at least. I mean, obviously Disney's going to do whatever they're going to do. And we just get to pretend like we have any idea what's happening. (laughs) Um, You know, I think, I think you're right there. We're too early in the process for that, but it's going to be interesting to see what we get from that. If, if anything. Yeah. And uh, they, they've kind of come out and said sort of as they've come out and said, as well as Marvel comes out and says that Deadpool is the only one that's not getting touched. But so you don't mess with perfection. Right. So maybe there's a Ryan Reynolds cameo. We don't really know. Right. I, I, I expect no more than Easter eggs, but Marvel surprised me before. So only one more bit of current topic that I want to discuss, and it's going to be a perfect segue. The Walking Dead, already over two AMC shows, has just announced a third amc show with two female protagonists i've missed this it's just broke in the last day or so what do you think i i'm springing it on you right now what do you think i oh amc (laughs) here's here's my thing with am with, with the walking dead universe as a whole um i I'm concerned. Right. Uh, did you watch Lost? You, were you a Lost fan at all? Um, it's still on my list, unfortunately. I didn't get to it the first okay. time around. Well, there, there's a scene in Lost, and I'm not, it's, it's like in the third episode. Right. Where there's two characters, Jack and Sawyer, are, are in, in this fuselage, and they're looking for supplies and some different things happening. Um, I won't bore you with the details of it, but basically at some point Jack's saying, Oh, I'm going to give this guy medicine and I'm going to fix him and I'm going to take care of him. Um, and Sawyer looks at him and says, how many of those pills are you going to give him? And Jack says, well, as many as it takes. Sawyer says, how many do you have? How, how much, how much do we really have to give to the walking dead? How many characters can we move from the walking dead to fear the walking dead? <laughs> Before we eventually have two bad projects, right? That, I mean, you can't save the one, and you're just taking from the other to f- help with that. I just, and then adding a third one in there. I mean, what are we? Where, where are we going with that? What's what's the long term goal? Is all these extra series and these extra movies with Rick Grimes and Jadis? <laughs> and, <laughs> um, I, I just, I think we're getting too far ahead of ourselves we we see that this is what we want to do and this is going to be great and this is going to be awesome and scott gimple has all these ideas but he's not looking back and seeing that the house is on behind him is on fire <laughs> and we need to get the fire put out before we finish watering the flowers yeah that that's i mean not to put too fine a point on it but that's kind of where i'm at with the walking dead fear the walking dead all of the the amc of it all Right. So I pretty well agree. I think that maybe they should focus their attention on, on what they're still working on. 
but I'm I'm uh, ever the optimist. So if they hire a good showrunner and I, I mean it gets all the way to series, I sure as heck am gonna watch it, and I sure oh. as heck am gonna watch it way too long, even if it's bad. Absolutely, but, that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I absolutely see your point, which really just segues into every week that we are doing a podcast, we're doing a rotating segment. And these segments are just based on shows or current movies or things that are currently happening in the film and TV world. So The Walking Dead was chosen as a perfect topic because it just finished season nine. What are your thoughts on season nine, Adam? Um, See, the back half of season nine, we really started to get back to The Walking Dead I like. Like, I'm going to bash on Walking Dead all day long. But... (laughs) The last three or four episodes were, they were a little more the, the Walking Dead I want. They're a little more, they gave me more of what I wanted, um, yeah. what I originally came for. Absolutely. Um, and I stuck around because I was like five seasons in, six seasons in, and I'm starting to get bored, but I'm already six seasons in. I'm going to stick with it. Right. And then there's been these flashes of brilliance, these mm-hmm. little things. And I think the way they've handled the time jump after Rick's departure and some of that stuff they've really kind of gotten us back to you know the walking dead they've made the zombies part of the show again right uh, in a little bit different kind of way you know bringing the whispers in and all of that but they've uh they've brought they brought us back to why we tuned in in the first place um, and i've been really impressed with what they've done i feel like there's there's some shots they've not taken that i would have taken right. but um you know, I, I'm, I'm glad to see where it is. I'm excited to see where it's going. Uh, and I just hope they can keep this momentum into season 10. I agree. I think that season 9B especially has been really strong. They've come out of the gate swinging. Um, what was cool about The Walking Dead to begin with is that you didn't know who lived or died. You weren't – it wasn't predictable – And so you get flashes of that when they started with Negan a few years ago. And then, you know, it it kind of, it's been in and out, but this last half of season nine, I think has been nothing short of brilliant. They've attacked it head on, no pun intended. (laughs) Uh, And the whisperers are a scary villain. You know, all of a sudden you're worried about your characters again. Um, it hasn't made me emotional in a long time until Henry's head was on that pike. Yeah. I, I have mixed feelings about Henry's head being on that. <laughs> I mean, he did stupid things. Don't get me wrong. Right. Like the less teenagers you could have on my walking dead, the happier I'm going to be. Like, <laughs> we got rid of Carl and then they give us Carl jr. <laughs> but not like the delicious Carl Jr. Jr. with the cheeseburgers and stuff. Like right. the bad Carl Jr. with the bad decisions and the chasing girls into herds of zombies. Like Yes. So, I mean, but it gives Carol and Ezekiel something to do um, from a writing perspective. It gives them – now they, they exist for a purpose now, and we get to see how the fallout of this is between these two people who were raising this kid and trying to do right and – this is what this is what happened, but that's just the world this is, and how are they reconciling that? I mean, right. it's, it, it's it makes for good TV. Absolutely. What really I got a little misty eyed, but not because of Henry himself. It was more about what that meant for Carol and Ezekiel, and especially Carol, who has lost children before. Um, I mean, and this was Matt Lentz played uh, Henry and. Madison Lentz was Matt. Uh, I'm getting all my words all jumbled up. I spent a long day of time working today. So Matt Lentz plays Henry and his sister, Madison Lentz played Sophia. So there's really kind of a, even a visual subtle little parallel that they draw with Henry's adoption by Carol and Ezekiel. And it's just absolutely devastating for them. And, you know, you see that fall out in the, in the subsequent episode when they break up and Carol decides to keep going to Alexandria and Ezekiel stays at the hilltop. Right. And this isn't the first loss for Ezekiel either. I mean, Ezekiel right. had, 
had Henry's brother, Benjamin, mm-hmm. kind of taken under his wing. And, you know, I mean, Morgan did a lot more with him when what we saw. Mm-hmm. But there, there was that backstory there with Ezekiel. So this isn't the first loss for either of them. And they're, you know, getting, getting to watch them cope through this is going to be um, one of the things to watch out for in season 10, I think. Absolutely. I'm really, honestly, really glad that Ezekiel wasn't, didn't meet his comic book fate. Um, yes. At the hands of the whispers, just because he's one of my favorite characters. He's so larger than life and his dynamic with Jerry is a lot of fun. So I really like having him on the show and I'm really excited to watch his story going forward. Yeah. I think the changes that were made from the comic book to here um, are really for the best. I think, you know, not losing uh, some of the people that we would have lost if they would have followed the comic book Mm -hmm. uh, is going to make for a more interesting show, especially in the Alexandria storyline. I don't know how much spoil, how much spoiler you want to get with the comic books or any of that. I have not read them, but I've kind of kept up with them. Um, and I'm honestly excited. The more they deviate, the happier I am just because then those people who are like, they really get uppity about the, well, this is how it happens in the comics. Then it's kind of shut up and watch the show. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, people who read the game of Thrones books, but after season seven, they couldn't say anything. Right. Uh, Same thing. And as one of those people who read the game of Thrones books, like, I'm excited to see where the show is going because I know that it's not going to end the same way the books do. Right. Uh, so, yeah. And I think you're right. Any, any amount of deviation between the source material on walking dead specifically and the show is going to be for the better. Um, Absolutely. So, so just um, as a point of interest, how do you feel about the whispers as villains? Uh, I have strongly mixed feelings about the whispers because I, I like the dynamic that they bring to the screen. I think they're very good villains. Mm-hmm. I have some logistical issues and I overthink it. I'm, I overthink everything I watch, everything <laughs> I, I read, all of that. And I living among the herd, but sometimes they don't. And then they travel like they, they traveled South. It looks like when winter came, mm-hmm. And then they came back or they're coming back. I, there's a lot of questions that I have that I'm not going to get answers to. Like they're just going to ignore that. Right. Um, so there's a, I struggle with that piece of it, but on screen watching the whisperers is very exciting because you just don't know what you're going to get. Beta is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Hurst is just uh, the absolute right call for casting on that. Samantha Morton. I was worried about whenever I first heard that that's who was playing alpha. Um, just cause every time I've seen Samantha Morton, she's always played like the sweet kind of love interest or a, like a secondary kind of character that's in there to help out the good guys. I've not seen her play a villain before. Right. Um, and getting to see her kind of do that has been real, real exciting. Um, cause I think she does a very good job as alpha. Yeah, I agree. I think the best part about The Whispers is it just makes the show scary again. Because for a while I was watching with slightly disinterested ambivalence. Um, and when you come up on a herd of walkers now, you have no idea if there's whispers in the middle. Right. And, and that's- just it just gives that extra oomph to the walkers. And it's it makes the show scary. And I really appreciate that. It makes the walkers relevant again. Exactly. Which is exciting because for, I mean, for three or four seasons there, zombies weren't even on the show. There were, we would go episodes without seeing a zombie. Right. I'm pretty sure that's not what I signed on for. <laughs> but, you know, now we're back to that and they, they're, they've made them a part of the universe again um, in a unique way where it's not just, oh, we'll throw more zombies at them. <clears throat> Excuse me. We'll throw more zombies at them and that'll be scary, Right. It's, you know, they've changed it up. They've changed the dynamic of it. Right. So one of the only other things I have in this category is since uh, Rick Grimes left in particular, the ratings have slowly declined for The Walking Dead. Are you concerned about that? Yes. I mean, short answer, yes. Right. I, I feel like with The Walking Dead, 
they didn't handle Rick Grimes' exit particularly well. Mm-hmm. Um, pitching it as Rick's final episodes and, you know, Rick's leaving the show and all of that, you know, and I guess shame on us for, for wanting Rick to be killed off um, and expecting AMC to give us what we wanted there. Um, but I think not doing that, not pulling the trigger on that has really, it, it turned the people off. Um, you know, I have friends who stopped watching the show after that episode because they right, thought right. it was just extremely poorly handled. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like I said earlier, you know, we're, how much are we putting into this universe without turning around and putting stuff back into what got this universe started? Yeah, I know we are putting, like I said, Rick and Jadis and um, potentially some other characters into these movies. But is that what we, is that what the fan base wants? And I think we'd rather just have one or two really good series and let's keep that. And I, I just don't think they're focused on the right things. Right. AMC, it's clear that AMC is, is, uh, they're trying to keep funding these creative off the wall projects by milking the walking dead's cash cow until it dies. Right. Um, and they're even doing a breaking bad movie. So, uh, but we had to wait obvious. this long to see a breaking bad movie. Right. With breaking bad, AMC knew what they were doing with that. Let's give you this show. It runs this many episodes. This is the story arc. Mm-hmm. And it's good the whole way through. With The Walking Dead, I feel like they're just like throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. Right. Yeah, and I, part of that's on the creators too. You know, um, Vince Gilligan is a master of what he does. He oh, just, at, He's a perfect television craftsman at this point. And so I would watch anything he does just because he's so brilliant and he spends a lot of time in his shows. and. AMC says, no, we need to have The Walking Dead because Better Call Saul is going two years in between seasons now. But AMC is like, no, we have to have The Walking Dead every year and you have to produce every summer. So sometimes the story well just isn't there. Um, And I'm not so concerned about the ratings from a rating standpoint because I'm definitely a new age television watcher. And so people always say, well, this show got canceled because of crappy ratings. And I say, well, you know, first of all, The Walking Dead's ratings even though they've declined steeply from the last few years are still insanely high for a cable television show. Right. Absolutely ridiculously high. So there's also that perspective. Like there's definitely, it's definitely going to keep happening for a long time. So, but it does worry me a little because of how many people dropped off, especially after Rick left, because I feel like the episode where Rick leaves is pretty good, except that he doesn't die. Right. And if you cut off that him washing up on shore epilogue, that's a nice little package. You could just say, okay, I think the show's over now. And then it's over. So you don't, you don't feel compelled to continue to watch because the character you cared about watching is gone and you can just pretend that he died and move on with your life. So it does concern me a little bit just because I'd like to see the audience come back. Right. And I think for the audience, it's now what is the ending of this show? Cause you, I mean, you imagine that at some point the show is going to end. And whenever I started watching it, I thought it was going to end when Rick died. Right. But Rick's not on the show and Rick's not dead. So now what, where am I going with this? Am I following the story of Judith Grimes? Like, is that where I'm supposed to have been? Because I forgot Judith was even around for like two seasons. So I, I, you know, there's, there was this stopping point, this bookend that we had, we could look to and say, yes, at some point Rick is going to die and Walking Dead will die with it. And they will be able to wrap up this story in a cohesive way. And now I just don't see the end game for this. I don't see where we're going and how they're going to satisfy me with a series finale of The Walking Dead. Right. And I'm not convinced that day's ever going to come. I mean, I think it's just going to become the one life to live of zombie shows. (laughs) And they're just going to just replace actors slowly over 30 or 40 years. Um, 
I'm not sure that there is going to be a series finale at this point because if there was, it should have happened already. Oh, oh. I, I don't even want to think about that reality. <laughs> but, you know, there's always the way of CSI or something like that where they cancel the flagship show and yeah. continue with maybe The Walking Dead. Right, and I think that was the plan, but their fear is not doing particularly well. And, right. I mean, you can throw as many Lenny James and other characters at it that you want. I'm still not watching Fear the Walking Dead. Like, the first season and a half were so bad that I, I'm i not going back to it. And, I mean, they've right. put a lot of money into recasting a lot of that. Yes. But I'm, st- I'm still not going back for it. I mean, I love the new characters. I love right. the new the new people they're putting in, but I... I, I would like it... I've been watching it and I, I like it. All right. Um, the first couple seasons were really slow and I would like it a lot better if they had kept one of Kim Dickens or Frank Delane, but both of them left, left the show last year. And so it feels like a totally new show, which actually is pretty good um, because they have Morgan and then they have three of the better characters from the original arc of fear are still on the show right and, and then, then like added, the new characters they've added are good yeah they've I, added, I um, love maggie grace you put maggie grace on anything and i'll watch it yeah and my favorite is garrett dillahunt i think i don't know that i've ever seen such good work from garrett dillahunt as i've seen on fear the walking dead and he's great in a lot of things but i think the best thing i've ever seen him in is playing john dory on fear the walking dead he's he's absolutely perfect for the role exactly so, you know, fear's got some good things going, but I just don't know that it's ever going to be able to replace the walking dead. So even though they're uh, adding Austin Emilio and I really do want to find out how the Dwight and Sherry thing resolves and what happens when Dwight and Morgan see each other again, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not as I'm ne- not nearly as invested in fear as I am in The Walking Dead, which worries me a little. And like, I was trying to think back once they made the Austin Emilio announcement. Like, have Dwight and Morgan interacted a whole lot? Like, I'm sure they have, but I nothing's immediately jumping to mind. Like, oh man, this is this one big thing that's got to get resolved between them. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't. Um matching story arcs really i know that they've interacted because of dwight's capacity over the kingdom and the hilltop and morgan spent time at both of those places and so that's really it's just um slightly perpendicular to each other's stories they're not really they weren't really intertwined they're just picking characters that have left the walking dead that they'd like to keep and feature more prominently. And, you know, it's pretty obvious to me that Lenny James wanted to be a lead somewhere. And so they said, we want to keep you in the universe. So they moved him over to fear the walking dead and made him the lead. Right. I mean, that's one of the things I struggle with though, is because Lenny James is so good. Oh yeah. He's and fantastic. I, Morgan was my favorite character on the walking dead. Mm-hmm. And even that's not enough to bring me over to fear the walking dead. Cause I, I just don't see where it's going. Again, I, I don't see where the, the universe as a whole is going to be able to invest my time into it. Right. No, I totally agree. So with that, I'm going to wrap our segment on The Walking Dead and move to a segment I like to call Infinite Playlist, which is dedicated to our most recent favorite things. So this can be anything that we're consuming at the time, a book, a movie, a show, um, an album, a podcast, anything. So, Adam, what are you loving right now? You know, this was the this was the the part of the show that I was most worried about because I'm so all over the place all the time. <laughs> but luckily, our friends over at Netflix have done me a solid. So, something you'll learn about me over time is I am a huge kaiju fan. Like you give me giant monsters or giant (laughs) robots or giant monsters fighting giant robots and I'm on board. I'll be there all day long. (laughs) And last week, Netflix released an Ultraman series, which is easily in my top three favorite giant monsters, giant robots, (laughs) giant aliens. 
so that is where I'm at. I've watched all of season one. I watched it in about a day and a half. <laughs> um, just that knocked out 13 episodes of Ultraman. And because of that, I've now gone back. And I'm like, man, I love Ultraman so much. I have to go back and watch Ultraman, <laughs> the original Ultraman series. And I, I don't know how much Ultraman you know, but there's all these series. There's like 15, 20 different series over the last 50 years. And I've gone out and I've tracked down two of them that you can watch for free right now from any connected device. Um, so the original Ultraman from 1966, it, all 39 episodes are available on YouTube. Yay, YouTube. <laughs> um, and then Ultraman Leo is available through Tobi. Um, all 50 something episodes of it. It's a lot. Um, so I, I am just like binging Ultraman. I am in giant monster heaven right now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm having a great time. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, uh, the only giant monster. This is not really even a giant monster show, but I was really into Power Rangers growing up. Yes. So Megazords and especially those original Megazord scenes that were pretty much pulled straight from the Japanese show. Um, so that's what it reminds me of just in a quick Google search, but, uh, and, that, and that's what it is. I mean, it's, you know, that's where power Rangers got its start. And as, I mean, as a kid of the nineties, right. Power Rangers was kind of a thing, right? Yeah. Like if you, were, if you were, if it wasn't morphin time, what time was it? <laughs> exactly. So, um, that's, that's fantastic. So you've already covered what do you love and why, where you can get it, everything that I was going to ask. So I'll just throw in my little one um, because it's related to Power Rangers. I have been reading through the Power Rangers comic book series. Uh, they've just been released. They just started these in the last couple of years and they're doing the Shattered Grid storyline. And it is one of the best comics I've ever read. Just absolutely incredible. They've taken something that I love and just, made it so much better. So I've kind of immersed myself in Power Rangers. I've downloaded the PS4 game Battle for the Grid, which was just released, um, a fighting game uh, based on the Power Rangers comic books. Uh, so I've just kind of totally been swimming in Power Rangers lately. So I may have to check out some Ultraman too. Giant monsters for the win. And I will say, I will say, you know, they tricked me with the new Ultraman series because it's not giant monsters, but it's very good. And <laughs> for not having giant monsters by being very good and having a lot of real good throwbacks to the, the original series. So awesome. But that's outstanding. That's you heard it here first folks, Ultraman series on Netflix and the originals on YouTube. So our final segment it's time to settle in with your peanuts and Cracker Jacks. It's time for one of our rotating special segments entitled Take Me Out to the Ball Game, a segment dedicated to the eventual watching of every baseball movie ever made. So since I'm on a quest to watch every baseball movie ever made, it's only appropriate that we start with one of my absolute favorite films of all time, The Sandlot. The Sandlot premiered in 1993. And it was made on a $7 million budget. It made $30 million at the box office. The Rotten Tomatoes score, which didn't really exist in 1993, so it may not be the most accurate thing. It's about 57%, so they're pretty mixed reviews there. Um, but it's developed a real cult following, especially through people in our generation. So... Adam, what are your thoughts on Sandlot? Has there ever been a more perfect movie? I mean, really, anybody out there, track me down on Twitter and tell me, <laughs> tell me what's wrong with the Sandlot and I'll tell you why you're wrong. Like, <laughs> it's top to bottom. Everything about this movie is fantastic. The ensemble of the boys at the Sandlot and the story, the casting, you've got big names, you've got these you know, no name actors. You got these actors that are coming up and starting their careers with this. Marley Shelton is in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like this is outstanding. Yeah. Uh, and there's, there's something about the Sandlot that I, I rewatched re it yesterday in preparation for this. And it struck me what makes the Sandlot so great is just the pure innocence of it. Mm -hmm. It is kids being kids 
and not having to worry about all the crap that kids have to worry about now and not having to worry about, you know, what they were going to do and messing with their cell phones and playing video games. Like these are kids playing baseball who get in a pickle and have to get their ball back. Mm-hmm. It's there. There is no better movie to me. This is like the perfect film. I've had, I've made my kids watch it. They're like, oh, I don't know about baseball movies, dad. Cause my kids don't watch baseball. It's a horrible thing. I don't know what I'm doing as a parent. <laughs> my kids don't watch baseball, but they love this movie. And it's, there's so there's something so universal about it, right? That I just I like I said I think it's flawless. I will fight this. This is a hill I will die on. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I think the Americana feel is just really. I I rewatched it yesterday too. Uh, I fell asleep before I got to the end, but I've seen it enough times to know what happens. Um, so you know, I was struck at how good the kids were I had forgotten just how you know how strong of a comic timing Patrick Renna has for example as ham he, he's the star of that film like yeah there's no denying that he's the breakout star everything every line he has is perfect <laughs> and he just he, he's his delivery spot on and maybe some of these actors were made better by the the ensemble that they had but Really, it's it's mostly on the kids. I kept forgetting that I was looking at these actors going, I forgot they were in this movie. You know, I, I remember James Earl Jones, but Dennis Leary, Karen Allen, like I had totally forgotten about them. And they were pretty big names, at least back when this movie came out. So they, I don't think it was elevated by the adult actors. I think it was all the kids. And it's just so simple and funny and heartwarming and when you need to feel good and enjoy a little movie about baseball it's absolutely perfect so you don't have to die on the hill against me <laughs> at least uh, i know someone's standing there with me helping to <laughs> that's yeah it's it, i mean it's there's just like i said everything about it is fantastic and if you've not seen it go go now stop stop go go watch the movie <laughs> Yes, yeah, so it's it's really appropriate that we're talking about it because it's actually yesterday was the 26th anniversary of Sandlot being released in theaters. Yes. So um, I want to talk just a little bit about some of the tangentially related things. Um, so this is directed by David Mickey Evans, who has other directing work, but it's mostly the direct-to-video Sandlot sequel and Beethoven 3 and 4, the biggest film that I recognize on his filmography was the movie first kid, uh, which I believe stars Sinbad and as a secret service agent for the president's child. Um, (laughs) So there's not a lot there, but what I think is really interesting is how this guy who's clearly not worked much before or after just in terms of major motion pictures has, has had lightning strike for him in this TV series. And it was written by him and Robert Gunter, who has pretty much only ever written Sandlot sequels and The Sandlot. Um, so there's a lot that's not happened for these guys. But I don't know. I just find it really interesting that these guys haven't really done much other stuff. But their lightning in a bottle, if you will, is this fantastic film from 1993. When you, I mean, when you hit this high of a high, where do you go from here? Right. I mean, I really, you know, it made the money that it needed to make and all of that to get a bunch of sequels. And it was 10 years before a sequel came out. Uh, you know, they, I think that they stayed true to the, the art of it. And this is the film we want to make. We made it and then we're good. Mm-hmm. You know, break the wrist and walk away. Like they've... They made the film they wanted to make and, you know, didn't ride that success into a bunch of junk. Like they just made what they wanted to make. And here we are with this fantastic piece of cinema. Absolutely. So the only other thing that I wanted to touch on is that David Mickey Evans, as much as he hasn't worked since the original Sandlot did recently sell a pilot to a network 
that, or at least he said this on Twitter, he sold a pilot to a network and it's about the Sandlot based on the Sandlot, but it's supposed to include the original actors as adults. So first of all, how do you feel about that? I, I'm here for it. I'm ready for it. I want to see it. I, I'm concerned though. I want to, I want to see what we get right. because my biggest concern is we've got all the original actors back. And, you know, like I said, these were these kids that haven't really, I mean, some of them have done a little bit here and there, but none of them have done a whole lot. None of them really made an acting career right. out of the Sandlot. Um, some of them have come back to acting recently. Patrick Renna has been pretty active. Um, Tom Geary has been active, but you know, what, what I want to see is can they recapture that innocence that simplicity and what's that going to look like? Um, right. That, that's the kind of show I want. And I don't know that this, this market is ready for something like that. I don't think that we, we get that show. Yeah. So I'm really intrigued by a couple of things. Number one, the plans to include the original cast, which Patrick Renna quote tweeted him and said, I knew nothing about this, but I'll get to that process in a second. Cause all he really did was sell the pilot. So I, I've learned a little bit about that process and I'll shed some more light on that in a second. But I wonder about what's really stuck in my mind is the success of Cobra Kai and how they were able to kind of shift Billy Zabka into the light, even though he's pretty much just known as Johnny Lawrence from the Cobra Kai dojo. Right. They were able to put Billy Zabka in this main role and have him get rave reviews and just absolutely blow everybody away. And so what really intrigues me is the possibility of something that I love so much in the Sandlot, getting some of these original actors back and creating something that's new, but still has a Sandlot kind of feel still makes me happy like the Sandlot and gives an opportunity for these older actors to do something new and different. And it's, it kind of, it seems like it's going to combine that nostalgia with a new story. And I really like the idea of that uh, execution obviously remains to be seen, but I'm, we're absolutely on the same page where I have some concerns, but mostly if this thing gets to air, I'm going to watch every single episode. Oh, absolutely. Like I, like I said, I'm here for it. I will watch whatever they put out. I just, when we talked about that lightning in a bottle, right. Is that still sitting on a shelf somewhere or have, has that been lost in time? And now we're going to get some very different version of the Sandlot. Right. So there, there've been two direct to video sequels, but only one of them has had one of the original stars in it. Uh, For the most part, it's been new stories. So that's part of why I'm excited about it is that the plan is to get the original cast back. Uh, I can't imagine that all of them are so busy that they wouldn't do it. Right. Uh, They've been working involved. You know, I'd love to see Squints and Wendy as a married couple. I'd love to see all of them as adults. Uh, you know, if they stick to Canon and Benny's a professional baseball player and Smalls is an announcer, I think that's really interesting. Right. So I'm absolutely here for it. Um, so just what I've learned for my listeners, mostly the pilot process has to do. So David Mickey Evans, what he said was that he sold a pilot. So all that really means is that he pitched the idea to a network and they bought his idea. So now they're paying him to develop it. So when people say the Sandlot's getting a TV series, that might be a little short-sighted just in the sense that, oh yeah, well it might, but there's still a lot of hoops to jump through before it ever actually happens. So what he's going to do now is he and probably Robert Gunter, I don't know, are going to write a pilot and then it's going to go through several phases of notes and then a network will either green light the pilot or pass on it. And so then if they green light the pilot, they'll shoot it more than likely. And then they'll present the pilot as a finished product to a network 
and they'll decide finally whether or not to pick it up. And then if they don't, he could take it and shop it somewhere else, depending on the terms of the contract. But so when David Mickey Evans tweeted that and then Patrick Renna said, I know nothing about this, it's probably because, hey, they haven't decided they're going to shoot it yet, so I'm not going to call you until I know I'm shooting it. Right. And then he's got it. And then he, I mean, he's saying he's got all these people, though. If they don't know about it, like he may not have a pilot to shoot if he can't get some of these actors. Right. There are several places in which this story could die before it ever gets filmed. But so I don't want to get anybody's hopes up, but the prospect of it is really exciting. Absolutely. And I think if, uh, if you're listening and you really want the Sandlot TV show, I think what you do is you just tweet at every network you can <laughs> all day long, telling them to make the Sandlot pilot. And Absolutely. then eventually whenever it does go to a network, they'll be like, Oh, well we have to do it. The people are clamoring for it. I think that's the play here, right? That's what we're going for. Yeah, absolutely. And don't forget your streaming networks too. Just so right. Just don't discriminate against the publicity departments. Just absolutely bombard them with tweets from now until the time it shows up. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe take some breaks for for food and water. But Adam, you got anything else you want to say about the Sandlot? Uh, no, just I mean, it is a fantastic film. Uh, I, I really cannot say enough good things about it. Um, I have notes somewhere, but I've misplaced them. So like, I don't know what all I wrote down. There's a lot of, a lot of things in it that are really interesting um, just to kind of see what they did and how they handled a lot of it. Um, but, you know, like I said, the, the film is fantastic. It's really well executed. Um, I mean, everything, even down to the costuming, mm-hmm. that is something I wanted to comment on the costuming if you look at the ball caps these guys are wearing, they're all authentic 1960s. Like there's a California angels ball cap. There's a Kansas city monarchs baseball cap in this show. Like this is stuff that you, somebody has to really be doing their job and really be paying attention to what they're putting out. They have to put some work into it. They got to put some heart into it to get it right. And I think they got those little things right. And that's what made all the big things with this movie work. Uh, and what made it the product that it is. Absolutely. Uh, the attention to detail is great. Uh, I really like, I was, it's interesting watching it through a modern lens because I wonder if it didn't, if it came out today, if there wouldn't be um, some people concerned about consent with Wendy Peppercorn, but it was so innocent. And ultimately I think what makes it okay is that they reveal they get married and have 12 children or whatever. Right. So I think, I think that's probably okay, but I, I paused for a second and, and thought about that through a modern lens since it's been 26 years, but mostly I was surprised at how well it still makes me laugh out loud um, just the beat after beat, they make me laugh. They make me feel a little bit. It's just got that perfect balance of emotion and nostalgia and Americana and humor that just, that's exactly what you want. It set the tone for all of these other nineties movies that I still love, but the Sandlot really got the perfect mixture. Right. They hit, every note at exactly the right pitch and exactly the right tempo held up for exactly the right amount of time. Like they got everything exactly right. Exactly. No pun intended. (laughs) Got anything else you want to add? No, that's it. I'm good. All right. So this has been the latest episode of Nick's infinite playlist. I do not have the website or the Twitter account for the podcast set up yet, but that is coming soon. It may be set up by the time I actually air this podcast, but it's not today. So in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Nikki A. Hogan, N-I-C-K-Y-A-H-O-G-A-N. Adam, if people want to follow your thoughts after this, where can they find you? Uh, find me on Twitter as well at Fraud Syndrome, F-R-A-U-D-S-Y-N-D-R-O-M-E. Perfect. So now that you know how to get a hold of us, I'm going to wrap it up. Thanks for coming on today, Adam. Thanks for having me. This is a blast. We should do this more often. I have a feeling that we will. Anyway, this has been Nick's Infinite Playlist. Good night, everybody.